Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, it's Isabel and welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. As you can already probably tell, Emma is not here today. She's currently traveling in Thailand with her aunt. But I am so lucky because in her place today, I am welcoming pop culture connoisseur, what I would consider a professional tweet slash thread commentator and the host of the Gabbing with Gib podcast, my very dear friend and one of my favorite people, Gibson Johns. Thank you so much for having me. I have big shoes to fill with Emma being gone, <laughs> but I'm so happy to step in. I love you guys so much. You are my like, every time I go to a Bravo event, it's us in the corner, just like gabbing it up and just having a blast. So I'm happy to do this for everyone else to listen to it. I know. It's so funny because Emma and I are always like, yeah, Gibson's like our work friend, you know, who became like our real friend. And we just started being <laughs> friends talking shit in the back of like a Literally. summer house party. And also <laughs> if you follow comments by Bravo, which I'm sure everyone listening does, I honestly have to pick which of Gibson's tweets I post every day because I'm just always so aligned with what you're saying and your commentary <laughs> and like your screenshots and you're just always so on it. So You're good to me on that account. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite story with Gibson is that I think it was last year, Sonia tweeted at Gibson because he wrote a whole thing about what, what was it about? About Ariana and Katie? Yeah, there was it was something like tangentially related to Scandaval. And Sonia follows me on Twitter and she just like she'll tap she clearly like taps into Twitter like once every two months, basically. And she replied, it was like, again, it wasn't like the central thing, but it was very clear that she had no idea like what was even going on in general. So she was like, what is this? Explain Gibbs. (laughs) (laughs) We quote that like a lot. It was literally Sonia Morgan jumping in when everything was going down where everyone was writing all the bad reviews on Yelp about Schwartz and Sandys. And there was just like Reddit threads and tweets. And Sonia was just like, I don't I don't know what's going on. Explain Gibbs. And I just think that that is like how I would explain you. Like explain Gibbs. Like you just know exactly what's going on. And you, oh my God. I want you to explain it all to me. Explain it all. That's what I'm here to do. And then, and then I, we must have texted about it. And then, you know, in the mail, the next week comes a surprise package from you. That's a framed version of that tweet. So I have it on my bookshelf behind me right now. So I'm just, it's, it's commemorated. 
Iconic, iconic. Iconic. Okay, we're just going to like talk about literally everything because I think it'll be interesting to get your take and also just some of the things Emma and I have been saying like all season. We kind of are on the same page about a lot of things, so I'm just curious your take. I actually want to start talking about traitors. I know that's kind of crazy. I'll also say, spoiler alerts ahead, because we've both watched the first three episodes. I know you're deep in it like I am. and Obsessed. It's kind of a Housewives Bravo takeover this season. It is. like I was praying and hoping that at least one Bravo person would be a traitor. Because to me, that's like that, that, that cements the person and sort of like the impact they could have on the show and the season. So I was very happy that they, spoiler alert, chose Phaedra as a traitor. I, we, I needed a housewife. Like, and and yeah. they had chosen such great housewives to be on this season. Phaedra, Sheree, Tamara, and Laura. So like, what a, what a crew. But I think that they chose the traitors perfectly. And Phaedra is like... She's duplicitous as a person, I would say, but she also is like, so she disarms people with like her delivery and her humor. So I think that like, that's a huge plus for her. Um, but I agree. Larsa's killing it. MJ's killing it. Tamra like disappeared for the first day because she was sick or something. That was kind of weird. Yeah, but that was kind of weird. But I think, she, but I think she's going to be good at it. She was like coming at somebody over like whether or not he had asthma. It's heaven. No, she really thought she did something when they were running. And she was like, hey, you have that inhaler? She's like, haha, I caught him. And he's like, <laughs> I don't have my inhaler. Like, we're not at high school track. I think, and I think this is like the commentary online, everyone is just so pleasantly surprised by Larsa. Like, I yeah. think if you had asked me, I would have said, I don't think she would understand like the rules of the game. She sort of shows up. Marcus is doing it. Wouldn't want to get down and dirty. Wasn't going to jump in the water to be the one like putting the puzzle pieces together by any means. And here she is like strategizing and also being kind of right about some shit. I know. I think it's because she is... I'm realizing, and I guess I maybe we picked up on this before, but she's incredibly competitive. And whether that whether that's over something petty on Housewives or something that's like competition-based, like traders, she's such an inherently competitive person. Like we've seen her one-up people before and and things like that, like in like a social way. But like, yeah, she's jumping in the water. She the physicality is actually really, really surprising to me. And I cause I always have kind of thought that like, I mean, Larsa. Sometimes it seems like she is not the brightest bull, but there are moments where you're like, she has to be really savvy. She has to have like a different thing that we don't always see. And this is a perfect like kind of example of that. Like, I mean, she's on to Dan and she is like, not going to let it go. I think that she's going to take him out. And Dan is like, I watch Big Brother. Dan is like a big deal. He's a huge deal in the Big Brother world. He's like a real, like one of the best people to ever play that game. So for her to like be able to take him to task is so I'm impressed. I'm so impressed. And she's 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 the star of the show to me, honestly. I'm obsessed with like the housewives not knowing who any of the like all-time big brother players are when they're like this huge deal. Even MJ was on Watch What Happens Live and Andy's like, oh, you had to have known who Trishel is. And she's like, no idea. And then they just come for them. That's like one of my favorite dynamics of like all of the traders is that just like all these people are really big deals in their siloed worlds. And they are like huge stars in the Big Brother world, the Survivor world, the Housewives world. But they're so um, tunnel vision about it and they only operate in their little bubbles that like they have, it's so funny watching these people's egos slightly deflate because they don't know who each other are. And they expect to just like, oh, you probably know me. Like I'm a housewife in Miami. Oh, you probably know me. I'm a Big Brother legend. 
it's 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 a great dynamic at sort of just at the get you know because it's sort of it's sort of it levels the playing field in some ways i think for sure if you were on a competition show you kind of like dismiss the housewives and the bravo people as like not going to be worthy they're not going to be threats but like as people have pointed out online like housewives is a social game like it's it's there's there's like manipulation there's there, you have to be savvy you have to kind of think about like okay how am i going to ma- maintain my spot on the show like all these things go into their mind as housewives and so it's like that's perfect for the traders like there's they're well equipped a hundred thousand percent i also i'm so happy they pick phaedra i think phaedra was created by god to be on reality tv truly mm-hmm. like just based on yeah god is a woman and god loves feature parks and (laughs) and i'm sad marcus left so early because i like love marcus i also just like feel like we don't we just get him in like such small bites on miami that like i was like so excited for him to have sort of like a star making moment like to get to know him better because i feel like he would have been really good at this i was so upset that he got killed so early that's the issue is like when you're too good and too smart, they're like, we got to get rid of this guy. But I think we did miss out on a really good opportunity to see how like the relationship plays into it. Mm-hmm. I'm also obsessed with the B-roll cinematography that they do of like <laughs> Larsa holding like a heart picture frame and like hugging it of Marcus and like reading the, everyone rolling, <laughs> reading a book. Like it's just... <sighs> it's amazing. It's camp. Yeah, it's camp. If you're not watching it, if you love Housewives and reality TV, you have to. You have to. If you could pick two Housewives, who do you think would be the best to watch? I mean, obviously all of them, honestly, in some capacity would be good because we'll watch them do anything, but... I would love to see Barlow or Meredith. I think that they, like Meredith would put her lawyer hat on and she would take it very seriously. So would Lisa, but her delivery, as we know, is just like heaven and it would just be, she'd be fire on all cylinders. Who else? Like it has to be people who could actually be like competent, but also be funny, which is like why I think Larsa and Phaedra are so good. Who are you thinking of? I don't know because I think all of them would bring stuff in so many ways. Like if they're ditzy, it's good. If they're really smart, if they're good on camera, like I think of like a Candace Dillard, like would be so good in like that traitor confessional. Yeah, she would lean into like the campiness too of it for sure. Yeah, so I'm loving traitors and I just felt like we needed to kick it off with that. We needed to. And also last thing I'll say about Larsa is like what's good about the the flip side of Marcus not being there anymore is like, you know, she, she clearly is not a traitor because she wouldn't kill, she would never let them kill Marcus. So she's never going to be banished from the table. You know what I mean? Right. She might get murdered by the traitors at some point, but she's, I think, going to be there for a while because it's very clear she's not a traitor. She never would do that. I'm so excited. The Larsa Pippen redemption arc via traitors is not something I was expecting. While Miami is airing, while she's questioning Gertie's cancer diagnosis. It is a wild dichotomy. Wild. Okay, so let's transition into Miami just because the Larsa Pippen of it all. Easy. So Emma and I talk about Larsa a lot, like both on this podcast and also just day to day. Like I would say (laughs) Julie and Emma and I in our podcast are talking about Larsa Pippen a lot, like a lot of the time, just because She's so complex. Like, I think Larsa Pippen has so many layers to her and so many different, like, not personalities, but just like sides to her that we see a lot on the show. But what's interesting was I was just doing a Kardashian rewatch and I bring it up a lot because I'll see things of her. And it was like, I was on the season where she was deep in her Courtney, like, literally living at Courtney's house era. Wow. Yeah. 
when the episodes were airing where she was, you know, questioning Gertie and just like handling that absolutely terribly, I said, I'm watching an episode where Courtney's freezing her eggs and Larsa just literally doesn't know how to say or react to things. And Courtney's laying in the bed about to have her eggs taken out and go under anesthesia. And Larsa's like, yeah, don't you just like worry about not waking up? I hate it. And my kids, and I always think about my kids. And Courtney's like, okay, maybe don't say that to me now. And then, so then this week in a different context, they showed it. I was so happy. That's so funny. So I wanted everyone to watch this and then it popped up, but in a different context. Like it was literally about Marcus and Larsa talking about like having kids and fertility. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the Larsa that I've been talking about. But then we see her in this like sweet context with Marcus. And then we also see her in this like strategizing gameplay smart way on traders. And I just, I feel like I will never have a full 360 grasp on Larsa Pippen. It's really hard to reconcile all the things we've ever seen from her. And it's like, it doesn't, it still, it still blows my mind that like she was in it with the Kardashians for so long. And considering this is the way that she is, it is really, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. And first of all, I will say the fact that they thought to show that clip, obviously different context, but it, to me, it just shows that you are the, you guys are the, the Kardashian, like cream of the crop <laughs> experts that you could, that you could pinpoint those moments. But uh, side note, the thing that she's done with Gertie is so regrettable. And I wish that she had just like apologized for it kind of right off the bat, which, you know, I think what makes her a good housewife is that she's can be stubborn and she didn't apologize right off the bat. She's kind of drawn it out. But I just wish she had because I just don't believe that like she ever really has malintent. I think she just kind of like doesn't always think before she does it. She doesn't think that through. I think that she truly believed that she had agreed to not bring it to the media. You know, and she was telling it to people like, it's like, oh my God, like so shocking, but not like gossiping about it and trying to get it. I don't know. I, I do believe that her intentions weren't bad in spreading it to the women, but she shouldn't have spread it to the women. You know, it's like, it's, I just wish she could just like apologize, but hopefully the reunion's like that because she has to sort of redeem herself in that, with that storyline. Yeah. I mean, they're literally filming the reunion right now as we speak, and I'm just dying to know what that looks like. I think it'll be really good. I mean, I think... We sort of saw a little resolve this week with Marisol yes. and Alexia and Nicole and Adriana with that whole inviting Anna thing, which like, by the way, was so much like talk and then nothing really happened. It was kind of a flop. But I'm glad that Nicole was given the pass because first of all, I'm a Nicole stan and apologist. Stan. Yes. So like, it's hard when I'm she's seeing so her. Good. She's so good. And I do think what Adriana says, they're a little jealous of her. I do think that I'm, I don't yeah, love jumping that. to that, but like, I think any person with a pulse is like a little jealous of Nicole. Yeah, totally. I'm jealous of Nicole. Right. So then when she's bringing Anna in and also, which they admitted themselves, they're just sick of fighting with Adriana. So they have an opportunity to battle with someone else. Of course, they're going to seize that. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I actually interviewed Alexia and Nicole this week in back-to-back days right before the reunion. Oh, wow. And it's not, Alexia's not over it. So Nicole got the pass on the show, but she's still pissed about it. And Nicole's like, Jesus Christ. Like, because <laughs> like, it's, it's sort of like, it's so clear to me that it was Adriana. I do think that Nicole like probably had some awareness of the fact of like what, what could have gone down, but I don't think she was like in on the plan necessarily. But there's just something that I, th- and th- I think that there's a blockage with Alexia and Nicole that like will never, they'll never fully come together. 
I just don't think it's, I don't think it's meant to be. I wish it, I wish it was possible. They'd be powerful together, but you know, it's uh, it's also like, I wish that I guess with Julia, Alexia sort of like warmed to the OGs a little more, but she's kind of, uh, she's kind of feuded with all three of the, of the new housewives and she feuded with a little bit with Gertie over the event planning a couple seasons ago. She's feuded with Nicole a lot. Her and Julia had a thing last season. So it's sort of like, okay, uh, it's a pattern. It's giving Vicky Gumbelson hazing the new girls. Totally. It's totally giving that, which like I respect, you know, Alexia built this show, but I don't know. But Nicole is just like, she's it. She's it. And so it's sort of like, you got to embrace that. She's not going to go anywhere. She's really good at her job. She has, it's less, there's less at stake for her in so many ways. Like she has, like, she's like rich as fuck. She has a good career completely outside of that. And like, she's just in it to like, for the fun, I think, honestly, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's literally there to show up, serve looks, speak Spanish, show her houses and hop on her yacht and dip. Call it a day. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we want for our housewives. That's what we want for our housewives. She's like, she's made for this. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Let's get into a little summer house, winter house, because this was a week and nothing even aired and it was a week. Isn't that crazy how that happens? It's just like... (laughs) The show's not on for over a, for like over a month, and like it, it's. I love it. This is like what we live for: the offline, it. online drama. Yes. So they dropped the summer house season eight trailer, which I just want to get your immediate reaction to when you watched it the first time. How do you feel? Because I feel like we've heard so much chat going into this season, and it was like anticipated too. I feel like they kind of delayed this season has been a little bit delayed. It usually premieres earlier. Um, you know, you knew they were going to start with 
you know, the conversation between Lindsay and Carl at their apartment that we had all heard about. They knew you knew they were going to have it like, you know, the voices over the cityscape. Like I could picture that before it even dropped, you know, um, but you never had sort of like the visual to go with whatever that conversation was. I could tell within the first 15 seconds of that three minute trailer that the edit is not going to go Lindsay's way. I could tell. I could just, I could just tell. It's like, it just, it was from Carl's perspective. You know, we see him talking to producers like that didn't go the way I thought it would go. We see Lindsay storming off talking to her dad. And I could just tell that that's sort of what the, the treatment of it's going to be. And whether that's merited or not, I think it's up to interpretation. I personally don't think that is merited. Like I don't really, again, we'll see this season, but I'm, Lindsay's a good friend of mine, so I'm like not super impartial about it, but I'm glad we got a taste of that. And it seems like most of the season is going to be breadcrumbing us up into that moment. You know what I mean? I think more so than probably Lindsay and Carl themselves even expected it to be. Totally. And I felt like it's really going to be painted as Lindsay had no idea this was coming and Carl just sprung this on her. I mean, even that way that they edited that where he says she's going to say she was blindsided and it cuts to her. Yeah. Yeah, And it cuts to her on the phone with her dad saying I was blindsided, like as if, you know, you could write the script and I'm just so curious on how this season goes. It really feels like it's going to be the season of the couple's navigating being couples. It was a lot of Amanda and Kyle. It was a lot of, I think, Paige and Craig. It's kind of hard to tell who's talking about what. Yeah, some of the editing is a little bit, I think, misleading, I would say. I would, But like, I totally agree. It's it's a couple season. Which like, I'm not mad at, you know? If you're going to bring these people back, they are in couples. It's not a show about singles hooking up anymore. And you know what? Like, I am invested in these stories, so now I'm okay with it. And I think we get that satisfaction of like the hookups from a winter house or just from, I mean, even Southern charm is giving us that so much this season that I'm, I'm okay with it. And I'm interested now. I'm so in deep with these characters that like, fine, show me everything. Totally. And like, I think with the Lindsay Carl stuff, it's like, I agree. I think it's going to be sort of this, like Lindsay was still sort of in her honeymoon phase. She had the tunnel vision. She, you know, had her eyes set on that wedding in Mexico in November. And this is all the lead up to it. And, you know, I think that it's going to be portrayed as like Carl having more awareness about like maybe struggles they were having or tiffs they were having and how that could lead up to this decision to call off the engagement. But I think there's a difference between like, you know, willfully ignoring all those signs and like just Lindsay still being genuinely in that honeymoon phase and want and looking forward to this wedding and, you know, seeing that like these issues are things they could have tackled, you know, I mean, relationships aren't easy, right? Like they're not supposed to be perfect. I think that she had this rosy vision, but she also knew like, okay, we'll get through these struggles. Maybe it's before the wedding, maybe it's after the wedding, but like she was still committed to him. And I think that there's a, there's a push and pull there, but like, I'm so curious to see like what those little moments are. I don't know. Like it, like, I feel like we've, Craig alluded to it and watch up it's live last year. I think Carl's been sort of alluding to it. Like there's more to the story and like, what is that more to the story? It's going to be such a different experience watching it because we sort of know the ending. We know the finale. And so it'll all be, you know, they probably come in hot, so excited. They're thinking that their biggest issue is maybe going to be like living with Danielle and figuring out, you know, their issues with all the other people who are just so over them. But that's obviously not. And I think it will just become the, like you said, breadcrumbing of what what went wrong. And also looking at it like, 
oh, Carl says one thing, Lindsay takes it one way, but like he really meant this or what he was saying behind her back. It's going to be... It's really interesting. I feel so bad for her. Like I really do because obviously it's a two-way street. I mean, he proposed to her, he broke it off. Like he, I, she has nothing to be embarrassed about, but putting it all on TV and also having everyone there to dissect like the dissolution of your relationship and, you know, pointing out things that you didn't even hear or see with your own eyes. Like that is, that's awful. And also her saying things like, you know, who knows, maybe I'll be pregnant next summer and being like, ha jokes on you. And it's, oh, it's, it breaks my heart. She had this vision for her life. That was really a fairy tale. And like, you know, I, and, and it's, I think people need to keep in mind also that like, yeah, maybe there were, again, little fights. Maybe there was more to the story. But like ultimately, at the end of the summer, they had stopped filming and Carl had, you know, had told producers to come back to film and he broke and he broke off the engagement on camera and without giving her heads up. And to me, if I was Lindsay, I would feel that's a betrayal that I don't think I could get over. You know, it's like it's it's one thing to do that to like sort of do it off camera, but then sort of not recreate it on camera, but sort of continue that conversation for the show. Because I think the argument is like this is their life, like this their life is the show. But you know, when people give each other heads up when they are <laughs> in situations like this, and um, it's not like it was like a heat of the moment thing. Like the cameras came to their apartment to capture this. And the last, the other thing I'll say about this is like you said, we know what's going to happen, and like. It's sort of the inverse in some ways of Scandaball where like we saw these breadcrumbs that like they didn't even mean to have on the show, honestly, with with Raquel, with Rachel and Tom. And like we would pick up on little things that like weren't even edited in because the episode had been locked by the time this news came out about their affair. But with this season of Summer House, people need to keep in mind also that like the editors know about this from the get. So they are going to play up certain moments to fit the narrative a little bit and to make a story out of it. And so I think that like, it's not going to be accidental breadcrumbs. It's very intentional the way they're going to tell this story this season. Also filming confessionals, the questions being pointed in that direction. Also how much we've heard already through podcasts, through the media, through each of them. It's it's going to be a wild viewing experience and something I'm very excited to recap, but also like it's going to be dark though, I think. Sinks. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Oh, I, it's really hard. We're in a hard position. I, it's weird. Wait, can I ask you what you made of the comment that we see Sierra make to Amanda where she's like, do you feel like you have an identity outside of Kyle? I don't. I was like shook by that. I'm always super cautious, like you said, because I think the editing, especially in trailers, can be misleading. And like, what kind of conversation was it or what? I I mean, I just want to give her the benefit of the doubt because it felt, yeah, I agree. It felt harsh, but also it seems that it, snowballed and that Amanda kind of agreed with it. So if you're a good friend and you're on to something, like sometimes you're right and sometimes like the truth hurts. But I mean, that's also a dynamic I wasn't like expecting or waiting to see was like Sierra and also Amanda and Kyle. I mean, obviously it's Amanda and Kyle. They always have stuff, but also in a way I've sort of like put them in a box of like, they've been pretty good. You know, they have their little things, but like at the end of the day, they go to bed. They're the married couple. They're solid. Yeah. Yeah. They're solid. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be something. I'm telling you, it's a couple's season. Yeah. And it, which makes it interesting because I've heard the reason that Corey and Sam were not asked to be on the show is because they were, there were too many couples. So (laughs) that's uh, like, that's what I would, that, because to me, it was so obvious, like obviously Sam and Corey, like, two reality stars they're dating like they were they were going to be on the show so i was shook when they were not asked to be on the show but 
they were, I think it was, they were told that there were just too many couples. Yeah. And there have to be some single people. So, and as we know, <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't last. Okay. So this is a perfect transition into talking about Sam on the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast this week, where she kind of bears it all. She, for the first time, announces and explains that her and Corey are no longer together, which I feel like we kind of could have assumed, but just to hear it all from her perspective. This was an amazing conversation and I fucking love Sam. I think she's a star. She's incredible. And it also gave me like the behind the scenes context of Winterhouse that I felt like we needed because it made no sense that she wasn't on the show and she was only there for one episode and didn't even get confessionals. So I was really missing her perspective on the whole thing. Totally. I'm, I'm, I was like really confused what, why she didn't get confessionals. I thought that was like pretty shady, honestly, to not give her that moment. And like on the reunion, which was such a weird reunion, I thought like it just, she kind of was like frozen, you know, because I think that she was just like, she was trying to maintain this like image and, and save her relationship, but he like wasn't doing anything to like give her a life vest and, I understand why she didn't. Really, I don't think she got her point across well on Winterhouse, but I also think that she was in the process of like figuring out what to do, and she almost like had. It almost sounds like from the conversation that like she had the epiphany like while filming the reunion that Corey was just like not, not the man for her kind of thing. Yeah, I think if I had to like sum up this entire conversation in one way, it would be like Corey's a douchebag. And like, we knew that. And I think we saw like, he was maybe feeling it, whatever, but it was very much like, well, guess I have to be in a relationship. Like wasn't standing up for her, you know, was not telling the truth about what was really going on in the house. Cause he's like, what? I didn't cheat on you. But you know, there was a lot of other shit going on that she was completely blindsided when she did watch the show. And he wasn't looking or ready, I guess, to be in a committed long-term relationship. You know, she says that she told him, I love you. And he wouldn't say it back. She invited him to holidays with her family, which is like a really sacred and intimate thing. And they didn't speak one time for 48 hours. And she was like, okay, like clearly you don't care. And I'm just so happy that she cut it off because I think what we'd seen was like, she wasn't desperate, but that she was definitely more invested and really into it more than he was. And like, even though he was into it, it, he, it just wasn't enough. And I think watching the show, she was like, okay, what am I doing? I am worth so much more than this. Yeah. I think like what you said, like they wanted, they fundamentally wanted different things. She wanted the like sort of picture perfect relationship. She wanted that sort of image and, and just relationship for her, for herself. But like, he just was not ready for that. He, he went into it. I'm guessing because like it would have looked bad if he didn't, you know, but you know, you said that he he basically goes at her for 48 hours after she asked him to be to spend the holidays with her and her family. And then when she was like, dude, what the fuck? He was like, were you like testing me? Were you timing me? I'm, I'm just like, he's it, it's giving fuck boy like quintessential that energy. And I'm just like, I'm so glad that she saw saw through it finally. Um, but and I also one of my favorite parts of the whole thing was like when she was like, listen, I was embarrassed and I'm not ashamed to say that I was it was embarrassing for me to be treated this way on TV and to have to like basically co-sign his behavior, you know, on the reunion before I figured it out for myself. And I like, res- I just respected that so much. Like she came to that conversation totally open, totally willing to like own whatever her part in it was, which was just probably kind of like, again, having that kind of tunnel vision and 
being too forgiving of him. She also didn't have the full story, but I love that she said that. I loved it. I think it was so open and honest and it was sketchy that she wasn't asked back to Winterhouse for sure. Like they were kind of interviewing her and then just like it never happened. I think they probably, the producers and casting probably seized the opportunity to, you know, put Corey in a really messy situation where there was a lot of temptation and also like he could talk about their relationship one-sided and it wasn't just like this couple in the house, even though they are, to me, I could watch them. You know, I think Corey and Sam individually and together are super interesting, but I agree. Whatever. I I, I get it. Like they have to make a show. They're good on TV. You know, it's like a pattern that a lot of us probably see in our, our lives of like a guy and the girls not telling her friends everything because it's like embarrassing or it feels desperate or whatever. But like, I'm so glad that she was empowered by it all being laid out there, you know, and said like, fuck it, I'm owning this. This is like, happens to so many people. And I was able to get out of it. I was able to see with like literally on television and hear everyone's commentary that like, I'm better than this. And I thought it was great. And I thought this was also a great way for her to sort of discuss it because she wasn't given interviews. She wasn't given the Mm -mm. space on the show. And I think if you just read a headline, like Sam and Corey broke up, it's like, okay, of course they did. But like hearing it in this way, I'm like, justice was served. Totally. And you bring up like when, how production sort of like ghosted her for the season, you have to wonder if like, you have to wonder what Corey was saying to them in those pre-interviews about their relationship and how Sam was talking to them about about their relationship and that they were like, oh, there's an opening on his side. You're you're right. Like that's ex- they were having those these same conversations with the producers, and that's it, they played the game, and that's just how the, that's how reality TV works. But you you think about the flip side of it, like if they had just invited Sam and not Corey, she would have been like totally buttoned up. She would have just been like the fun girl, but she wouldn't have even like flirted with temptation. So it, it would have been less. It wouldn't have been as good TV. But even though I didn't love the season Winter House at all, but it's it's interesting. And I also think that this interview. She's kind of starting off the year being like, I'm I'm being open about my relationship. I'm a single girl, yada, yada, yada. I'm on this journey. It's the perfect way to be like, let me film Summer House in four months. You know what I mean? Like she's she's kind of also publicly going to probably start sort of campaigning to be back on the show. because I, And I think she deserves to be back on the show. I'd love to see her back. Me too. Emma and I have fought on and off this podcast about the season of Winter House because I was like not into it. Like I I did not like it. Oh my God. I can't wait for Emma to hear this because it's been a fight. She liked it. Emma. She loved it. I know. And and what about it? (laughs) Wait, but everyone listening also screwed me over because I said, please DM us if you're liking it. Do you want us to keep recapping it? Because every week I was like, please don't make me watch this. I'm watching so much TV. It's such a chore for me. And Emma literally made this little bitch, a shared <laughs> album. No. A shared album of all of the DMs of everyone saying, Isabel's wrong. We love this season. It's so good. Keep you recapping guys. it. guys. Okay. You guys, I'm here to that. Va- well, I'm Isabel. I'm here to validate you. I'm on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> I found it tough to watch. You know, it's like, obviously it's, it's fun to have the sort of continuation of these people's lives and whatever, but I found it to be like, so, uh, Felt like the same thing was happening over and over again, too. It was like, Danielle and Alex hook up. He, he regrets it the next morning. Then he flirt, starts flirting with somebody else. Then we start drinking. Then they hook up. It's like the same thing. I was over I it. just I just felt like between 
the amazing seasons of Summer House we've had, Southern Charm being on right now and also giving that like messy, hooking up, you know, love triangle energy. I just did not have time for Winter House. And I think in the last couple of weeks since it ended, the stuff about all those people on the show has been way more interesting than when the show was actually on. Totally agree. And did you see Dumois said that they're pausing Winter House? Did you see that? I did, but I also think they just have to see how this season of Summer House goes, don't you think? Yeah, that's probably that's probably right. But they would be filming, they film Winter House. Oh, now. While I guess Summer House winter. airs, basically. Yeah, they film it like in February, March kind of thing, I'm pretty sure. So they might, they would be casting right now. So I, I would be, I would, I'm totally fine with it skipping a year. If to me, it feels also kind of like a pandemic e show. You know, like it was a kind of a product of the pandemic. Like, let's quarantine all these people, put them in a house in the snow. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll miss it. Maybe, maybe it's not on next year and you and I will be eating crow and be like, bring back Winter House. I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. I think it can be a thing. I think it can be a thing where they have two different groups of people and, you know, they figure out the summer house. And then if they have an also amazing chemistry group, they throw them in a winter house. Maybe it's a spring house. Maybe it's a fall house. It just, they should just call it share house. Like at this point, it's totally. like they're pigeonholing themselves. Like they don't need to be skiing. We're fine. I also don't need a million blow, blow deck people there. I just don't like keep it, keep it core for me. Keep it core. Keep it like there were too many. There were, I feel like every episode, somebody was going in and out of the house. And I was like, why was that person? Like Jason was there. And, he, and I don't remember, even remember him like doing anything. I don't know. I, it felt like there were, there were two, the cast was like too open-ended, you know? Yeah. Like, the good seasons of Winter House were like the Sierra Austin stuff, the Paige Craig stuff. You know, like that was that was the good old days of that show. I will say though, I thought Floody and Tom Schwartz, like we Emma and I were like, are they endgame? Like we have never seen him behave in that way. Oh, you were into it? We were into it because like, well, personally, I thought that there was not that much else to grasp onto. So I was really into that. But also just like I thought we saw more out of him, more care, more respect, more romance than we literally have ever seen in 10 years with him and Katie Maloney on Vanderpump Rules. So that was just, again, like a fascinating character who we've been so invested in. Yeah, no, I that's valid. That's definitely valid. Like we, we saw good size of Schwartz on this on this season. That's a That was a little plus, but the, the, the bar is low on Winter House season th- th- four, three. What, what's he, what even season was it? I don't, I don't even remember. know, but... Justice has been served and I've never felt better. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you, or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. The time has come. Salt Lake City reunion part two. How do you feel? Like, I'm exhausted, to be honest. I'm kind of exhausted. I feel like I'm not not enjoying it. It's not like it's a bad reunion. I think it's a couple things. One, the finale, like I feel, I still feel like I'm like processing the finale and like kind of coming off that high. And I also think that it's hard, right? Because Reality Von Tease was the last episode of the entire season. So they're going to address it at the end of the reunion. So these first two parts have just sort of felt like, not like blah, just kind of feels like everything feels inconsequential when compared to the big reveal. And so it's like, let's just get to that. You know, like I, I would watch honestly three parts about that <laughs> if Monica was forthcoming enough. But she's also bringing this like fiery energy that I'm just like surprised she's bringing, kind of. Not surprised, but. Okay. So transparently, Emma and I like really had a hard time following like the first chunk of this season. We just sort of came into every, every episode being like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, who's fighting with who? Who's right. friends with who? What are we talking about? Like, it just sort of all like meshed together. So now going back and reliving it and them duking it out, I'm like, oh, I forgot that happened. Like, we really, Emma said this last week, like, I forgot that we're not going to tune into the reunion and it's not going to be a full breakdown of reality Vontees because everything feels so inconsequential in comparison to this explosive finale and like we get bits of it and of course it's a lot like unpacking Monica and seeing her in a different light now and you know this week they had the discussion about her mom and all her different names and like you know what goes into it but yeah I I thought this part was was really great and by the way I think Angie like oh my god really she showed herself this week she kills it I totally agree it's been a long time coming with me and Angie in terms of me like really kind of seeing the vision with her but I see it now I, I'm impressed by her leveling up her performance and her willingness to like just go at it she, she's kind of quick like she's coming up with some good lines and I'm impressed by I'm impressed by Angie K and I didn't foresee that <laughs> I think this week, Angie Kay and Crystal Kung Mingoff, like, 
handshake. Like they both, I saw it in them. I knew it was coming. I felt the potential. And then finally it was like in the little mermaid when Ariel gets her voice and it's like, okay, Ah. yeah, like let's fucking go. (laughs) Yes. So true. That is so funny. Yeah. I a hundred percent see it. And like, how funny was it when (laughs) Mary comes in and Angie's like, oh yeah, like I'm glad you came back for comedic relief. And Mary's like, this is your first season. And then Monica was like, no, she was saying something nice. And, Mary, and then the next minute, Mary's like, when asked who she likes, she says, Angie K first. And I'm like, this. <laughs> she also has was complaining that she didn't like Angie because Angie touched her carrot cake and then started touching her Louis Vuitton scarf. Oh my God. The way Mary Cosby's mind works is something to be studied for sure. There's this sort of split of like, there's the four OGs. There's Mary as the friend that's sort of like on the side. There's Monica, who's this like pariah of a new newbie. And then Angie K has sort of like been floating in the middle for the past, like, I would say like a little bit. And her performance on the reunion to me is like, okay, let's group, let, let's put you up at the top group. You know what I mean? Like, like you're yes. solidifying your spot. And that's, that's, that's honestly partly what a reunion is for. <laughs> yeah. We want conclusion. We want resolution, but we also need you to like prove yourself and she's proving herself. Oh, it's the final test. And I think she's acing it honestly better than she did the whole season. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you need that moment of like reflection and also hearing from like the viewers to yes. sort of give you that boost of confidence. Like, no, you're not seeing things, you know, we agree with you and we feel like you're right and justice for Angie and whatever. And like, you know, to know you're going in with that support, I think really can make or break how you perform at a reunion. Yeah. I feel like she's gained like a little bit more self-awareness, which has helped her. Yeah. You know, I think that like the, the rap on her at the beginning was like, she's so thirsty. She's like studied the housewives playbook. She's just like doing things because she thinks she should be doing them. She really wanted to be on the show, all those kind of stuff, all that kind of stuff. But I feel like sort of in this back half and definitely of three union, she's picked up the fact that like, okay, I can sort of lean into that a little bit and like in a, in a fun sort of campy way that works for her. And I love it. Like she made the, she made her profile picture, like the big sunglasses with the bonnet, like it, which is perfect. 10 out of 10. Meredith Marks made hers the, you know, her wind Wind swept on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) I love love it. it. I'm obsessed. I love it. What has, what has stuck with me since I watched this reunion that I like literally have not stopped thinking about Roman Empire for the last 48 hours was when Monica said, when I applied to get on the show, I did my final interview. The first place I went was to my mom's and I laid on her couch and cried. I was like, I totally effed up. I totally bombed it. I don't feel like I was myself. And my mom said, let's say a prayer. And then she prayed that she would get it instead. She literally said, Lord, if it's not Monica, it's me. Somehow let it be me instead. Linda is scary. Linda's a scary, scary woman. Linda is very (laughs) fame hungry, very competitive and jealous with her daughter. So I think, you know, if we're ranking the most toxic environments that they could probably be in, it would be to be filming a reality show that Monica is now the star of, Linda wanted to be on. Monica is being exposed and also like villainized by everybody and also investigated by, you know, the whole Twitter verse. And like it comes out that she has a Finsta kind of like fangirly slash getting involved with the drama. I mean, it's like, this is insane. It's insane. Like I, I've said, like, even without the real reality von tease of it all, 
Monica brought more than enough to this show via her mom, via all these things. It's one of those things where it's like a new housewife, I feel like, always sort of like gives a lot of access and like brings their family and sort of these peripheral characters around. And then they learn to like restrict some of that access. You know what I mean? Like she brought her mom around a lot and it was great TV and she knew it was going to be compelling TV, but she also couldn't control her mom. And she kind of went off the deep end. She was tweeting a lot. She was like saying all this crap. And I've, it's, it's sort of like, if we see Monica again, if we see her mom, her airtime will be like cut in half, at least. Like, like she will be a much less of a factor because she's she can't control her. She's too much of a loose cannon. Yeah, I think, you know, for a relationship that already felt like it was on thin ice, this is probably like the worst thing. I think she probably felt like including her and giving her airtime would make her happy and make her feel a part of it. But like, it backfired big time. Also probably I think. why she got cast half, like part, partly why she got yeah. cast because they saw her mom and was like, oh my God, <laughs> get a camera on this woman. I know. And also I love the other women looking back and being like, yeah, you know what that Easter brunch, like I thought she was so charming. She was so sweet. And then like when they now have watched the show and also like heard from Monica firsthand, just like what their relationship's like, they're like, yeah, we were all wrong. Like they don't like, they don't like Monica and they're annoyed with her, but also they're, they can admit like that was a big misjudgment on their part. And that was interesting. I feel like, cause I'm, my whole thing has been like, what is Monica's way back in, you know, like what is her thread? What is her connector? What's her bridge back to the group? Cause she has to have one to be able to continue on the show. And maybe that's part of it. You know what I mean? Maybe it's sort of like relating on a level like that, but then <laughs> she turns around and like yells a bunch of lies and things to all of them. But that that was interesting to see Whitney sort of lean over Meredith and be like, yeah, I get it. Like, I, I, I cut my dad off. You know, like, that was like, I thought that was cool to see, honestly. Like, I liked yeah. seeing that moment. That's the kind of stuff that I think, like, bonds them and takes them out of the drama of the show and sort of, like, is a human moment. But then it's like, she turns around and is like, well, <laughs> I was gonna, you know, sue Angie because I fell down the stairs and she says that I threw a shoe at a toddler who was playing in the basement. And you're like, what is happening? And then there's unseen footage of her literally falling down the stairs. Where she throws the shoe. <laughs> I was freaking out at that. Me and too. then by the way, Monica throws Meredith right under the fucking bus and says, you said I should sue her. And I could, you know, if I want her house, I could have it. And Meredith is like, whoa. <laughs> But okay, that is my Roman Empire from this episode. I'm like, I was like obsessed with that little moment because it Meredith like shut it down, but not completely. Like she clearly said something along those lines. Yes. And like, I'm like, oh my God, I would pay to see those texts of like Meredith going off about Angie. Cause I'm like, there's something about Angie that triggers the fuck out of Meredith. And I don't really know exactly what it is. Like, it, 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 to me, like Angie hasn't done, I guess like she has done stuff to Meredith, but there's it, the hatred there is like, to me, like really palpable and like unavoidable and she can't help it. And I'm like, that is so, I'm like, I would pay to see those texts. Like her telling Monica that she could sue her for the house is like, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's iconic. I'm just like, <laughs> it's beyond. I think there's something so magical in a housewives cast of a dynamic where someone just fucking irks them. They don't yes. like them fundamentally. It's not specifically anything they've done. It's not, you know, it, it's like- And we all feel that about people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's so normal. But then when you can like literally see it radiating out of them and also it then influences like their decisions within the group and who they pick and who they hang out with, who they shit talk. It's like, it. that's like, that's golden because you can't, it's not like she didn't invite me. So now I don't like her. It's like, I just don't, fuck with her. 
No. Oh my God. No. And it's like Monica got Meredith. Monica reeled Meredith in for a couple of weeks there. You know, she did. She clearly had this comment about her house and suing her. They talked about the mafia thing during their lunch date or whatever. She went to the store with her. She was in there with Meredith until she wasn't, <laughs> until she lied about going to the store. Yeah. You were in my <laughs> store. That also have not stopped thinking about that. That was my favorite part. It's the blonde hair for me. It's the like, blonde hair for me. When Meredith gets activated like that, I, there's to me, there's like nothing better. Like it's just her delivery, her voice changing, her, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so, so good. And I'm really excited for next week, the third part of the reunion, just to like see. To really lay it all out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like answer all the unanswered questions. Yeah, totally. I just think that Monica's done herself a disservice by like not coming in and like being a little bit more apologetic, like tail between the legs kind of thing. I think that that's like a missed opportunity for her to cultivate a little bit more goodwill because <laughs> she has none right now. And like for her to come in like so fiery, like so combative is not helping her case to come back next year. I feel like she's like not really matching everyone else's energy too. Like they're fiery, but she just like has the ability, I guess, and gift to do it on a different level. And put her at the trader's table. <laughs> put her at the trader's right? table. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the spot for her. It really is. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and obviously really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay, our last two things to talk about. I guess we can just talk about them more as a whole because this week's episodes were so- kind of not anything to write home about are Beverly Hills and Potomac. Okay. Starting with Beverly Hills, I need to get off my chest because it literally kept me off at night. Say it. The conversation with Mauricio and Kyle in the back of the car when he's you know talking about not being at her event, which was a massive deal for her. Huge. 
and she's filing her nails, like can't look him in the eye. I lost sleep over it last night, truly. It's like, it's just crazy because to me, it's like they're unrecognizable as a couple. That's what I keep saying. I just rewatched Beverly Hills. It's like, how did it change so quickly? It's like last season, they weren't like that at all like that. It's, it's really wild. So I'm just sort of like, I believe that it's totally authentic. I'm just sort of like, it really feels like it changed overnight with them. It really does. It honestly scares me because it, it's just unbelievable that you can live this whole life with, you know, two people. And now they like literally don't even know how to have a normal conversation. They don't know how to like be around each other. They don't know how to compliment. They don't know how to kiss. They don't know how to live in the same huge house. It's it's just really mind-blowing. And I think that's kind of been how I felt because, you know, when this news first started breaking before the season aired, we weren't seeing them together. So I literally couldn't picture it. It's Kyle and Mauricio. Like, of course, they're like the it couple all over each other, powerhouses, like such a foundational, just they're Kyle and Mauricio. So now to like see it again, breadcrumbing into like how uncomfortable it is in scenes like this and also like big moments where it's not just uncomfortable. It's like he's literally not showing up for this event, which like has completely altered her life in so many ways. And when he said, oh yeah, but none of the other, no guys were there, right? Like it was more of like a girl's thing. It was what he was intimating at. I was like, who are you? Mo, no, don't spin it that way, dude. Like, yeah, I think that it's sort of like the, I think I tweeted this like last week after that episode with her event for her friend. That was sort of like, this season, I do think it's done a really good job of helping us understand Kyle's changing perspective and the things that changed in Kyle's life. And I really think a lot of it has to do with the death of her friend. And I think it's just the perspective that it, the, 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 the way it altered her to her perspective on life and what matters and how you show up for people and all these things. And so it's, it's not just that he didn't come to her event and it was about her friend. It's because that the, the death of her friend was the catalyst for her and for him yes. to, he, he, he just can't see that. I don't think, you know, if, if he really saw that he would have shown up, he would have. And it's, it's, it's disappointing. Cause it, it makes me, it really makes you feel like he's the one that really dropped. She changed in some ways, but she, or she changed her lifestyle in some ways and things like that. But he's the one that hasn't been able to meet her where she was. And she's met him where he is in so many ways over the years. And it's like just disappointing. Yeah, I also think it's the combination of like, this changed her life so drastically. Like from that day on, I think it was a huge pivotal point in her life. Like, you know, not that it necessarily needs something that happened for her to want to wake up and make these changes, but it definitely aligns. But that also, she is so confused and baffled how Mauricio isn't seeing that. You know, he's expecting her to just be same old Kyle. Obviously she's changed in so many ways, but I think he's thinking that she's going to be the same person she was 10 years ago. And like for us, you know, she's totally unrecognizable in some ways, but also like in her heart and her core, she's a lot of ways still the same. So I think it's just frustrating all around for both of them. And like, I could not fathom like feeling like I would be okay letting it go. Like I could not just wrap my head around it and reconcile with the idea of them. But now watching it, I'm at peace with it. Same, like I like I'm on her side, and, and I and I understand her perspective. I understand why she feels the way she feels, and even that moment where they had, they had arrived at the event, they were Anna Marie and her husband were like posing, and they were sort of like bickering. And then there's like this like voiceover of them 
while they pose on the red carpet. And she talks about how she feels like all these eyes are on her and people whisper about them. That gave me tremendous insight into her as well. And like she, you know, they were, again, they're this picture perfect couple for so for a decade for us. And then like to see that the whispering can still affect her after all this time is, it makes me sad. You know, like that, that moment made me really sad. For all these years, you know, she's been like, in a lot of ways, like literally the face of housewives and was a pillar. She was in it from the very beginning and none of the chatter, even though of course through the years there was chatter, like Mauricio's, you know, cheating. And it was just like kind of par for the course. And I truly in my heart of hearts believe regardless if anything was going on or not, she never was bothered by it. Like, cause she knew what she had was so solid. They were such a unit. They were so in love and had so much fun. They traveled the world. Like it didn't bother her. There was so much else that bothered, you know, family shit, everything that comes along with the price of fame and being a housewife that now all of a sudden to be so bothered about what people are saying about your marriage and actually like believing it's true, you know, that also indicates such a change that like, okay, you're totally self-conscious of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people are picking up what you're putting down. Totally. It's like, there's a new fragileness almost to her. And maybe it's always been there, but maybe she's just finally letting herself feel it. I don't know, but uh, it's just, <laughs> it's it's wild. It really is. It kind of, it, this, this season has not gone the way that I thought it would go in terms of how we were going to see this play out in terms of the troubles in their marriage and stuff. But it's not, it's no less compelling. It's just different from what I thought we were going to get, you know? And it yeah. makes me really wonder what, when they picked that the cameras back up after the season ended and the news had come out, it makes me really wonder what that is or what's going to yes. happen there. Cause it, cause yes. it does feel like there's been updates and they've been spotted with different people and things like that, but there hasn't been like a big change in like the, the status of their relationship in a while. Like they're separated. They maintain, they're not going to get divorced. So I'm like, are they waiting for the end of the season for the reunion to share an update? It seems like there has to be an update at some point because we've been, it's been stagnant for like a while. Right. You know? But then they're also still like kind of going on vacations together, but then also he's like shirtless partying with Anita. With Anita, so weird. <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah. And then I guess like on the flip side of this episode, it's like more lighthearted, but classic housewives is all this talk about Sutton's fucking oh esophagus, God. which I am so over. I think Anne-Marie really felt like she was doing something and bringing like receipts and, you know, this whole plot. And like, I think it's so easy to get sucked in as a housewife to like this one track mind of like how, what you have to do and play producer. And the esophagus just ain't it. It, it, it never was it. It ain't it. Never going to be it. <laughs> I am so done with this storyline. I was so happy to see Crystal shut her the fuck down. It's so maddening. And she also she also misrepresented their conversation. Crystal yes. wasn't the one that said that about Sutton. It was it was her. And like I've just she is not she's not hitting for me at all. I'm so and the preview for next week, she like continues to act in a whack way. I just am not on board with her at all. Yeah. I think she kind of screwed herself in like burying her in this whole esophagus thing where she probably like has so many 
you know, interesting, great things about her. She could be really, really jiving with the group, but like saw this first opportunity and really like jumped at it. And it was like, okay, you, you bet on the wrong horse here, but I mean, at least (laughs) you got the wrong girl. And also at least out of this, we have gotten, you know, this, this crystal moment, this moment at the table where it's Erica Garcelle, Crystal and Sutton. Like, I loved that. I did love that. I think hopefully after next week, it will, at least move on or snowball into something else because like, I just, I don't really care about esophaguses if I'm being honest. I certainly don't. I don't care if it's big, if it's small, if it's wide, if it's thin. I don't give a fuck about your esophagus. No, we're, we're not a size queen about the esophagus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree that it is a, it is definitely a silver lining that Crystal is showing us this activated side of her that we have not really seen before. We knew she had it in her. I'm thrilled to see it because I do really appreciate what she brings to the show we just needed her mo she needed a moment she hasn't had a moment yeah. in a while she needed a yeah. moment and she and she she took her moment you know yeah i think people are so quick to like vote her off the island of like she doesn't bring anything and i think sometimes you need just like a rich bitch commentator who has a good head on her shoulders and will have moments like this you know like you she's can't underappreciated have, yeah she is underappreciated in her time and i i don't want to be a part of that yeah i'm i'm with you Finally, Potomac, last but not least. Yeah. I love these ladies. I will watch them Same. do absolutely anything, but I don't know. Something's just not hitting for me this season. It's it's a little dull. In so many, there's like so many reasons to me. Part of the main is that it's just there's too many blockages in the cast. Like we talk about how the Salt Lake City women, that core four, is so good about changing up their dynamic you know, having an issue, but then resolving that issue and moving forward and changing it up. Potomac was so good at that for so long, those core four. But then it almost is like they've just hit a wall and it's sort of like Giselle and Candace won't engage with each other. Candace and Ashley don't, Candace won't engage with Ashley. Robin and Candace won't engage with each other. Giselle and Wendy won't engage with each other. NECA and Wendy hate each other. It's just, there's, there's all these like, they won't even have a conversation with one another. You know, it's like, it's made this season by far their worst. Absolutely. I don't know. I'm just sort of like, I did yeah. like the end of this episode. Like I thought that the, the Karen's luncheon was like a really powerful moment. And I think that we, we got to understand Mia in a deeper way, in a real way. That, that, that was totally. like, honestly, one of the better moments of the entire season, but it's still like the show is missing its humor to me. Yes. No, the luncheon was so powerful, such important conversations to be had. I think like that's something that Housewives really does bring to the table is like, you know, women's voices, conversations, also just like building other women up. And I just thought that was so important. But yeah, as a season and also you're so right, them cutting off like all these possibilities of dynamics has that's what we're here for. You know, it's like all of a sudden now, like I said this last week, Giselle is throwing Karen her, her birthday party. Like what? This is, (laughs) that's when you know, we're at the bottom of the barrel. We're desperate for a lifeline. I know. I know. And I don't know how you solve it. Like, do you, like for you, is there like an obvious, okay, X is person out, X is person out. No, kind of I'm I'm obsessed with all of them. They're Same. all perfect housewives in my opinion. So that's why it's like, you know, if I'm a producer or literally anyone watching this show, it's like, what's not what's not happening here? Because you put all these quote perfect housewives who are so funny, so dynamic, so smart, so like in the game, so naturally like quick 
it should just be magic and like a bottle, lightning in a bottle. And maybe they just need an off season. Maybe something will happen maybe. next season. Yeah. But like, there's, always, there's only one way to go. Yeah. And I also don't think something necessarily needs to happen. I think that they just have to like repair these relationships because I just want to have them watch them have fun and be shady. Like I don't need totally there agree. to be, I don't need there to be a reality Some big marriage scandal. No, yeah. I don't. I don't. And I think that to me, Potomac is the best when it, we're laughing with them, when we're kikiing and we're just like sort of hanging out and like laughing and doing light shade. Like that is when they're at their best. And it almost feels like production is sort of needs to remind the women that like, if they give too many ultimatums about who they'll film with and who they'll engage with, like that's not going to end up benefiting them in the long run. Like it hurts the show. It hurts their spot on the show. So they just need to be reminded that like, we want the lightness. We don't need the big, yeah, you're right. We don't need the big scandal. I think that's the tough part about having these like Beverly Hills last couple of seasons where it's been like Erica and, and Kathy and Rinna and like all these big one kind of one issue seasons that like make headlines and make the, you know, the uh, anticipation for the season is so high. I think that the other franchises sometimes feel like they need to like keep up with that. But I don't think that that's the, that I think that we actually need balance. If Beverly Hills is giving us some huge legal case, if Salt Lake City is giving us a literal like FBI arrest, I want Potomac to be arguing about, you know, I don't know who invited you to the lunch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what I want. <laughs> I yes. need the balance. I so so agree and I mean we still have a lot of season left so yeah I agree I also could watch these women do anything so like even their worst is like still pretty good it's still pretty solid I totally am with you wow what a week thank you for joining me I'm so happy we got to talk all this out thank you for filling in for Emma she is gonna love listening to this episode just as like a lover of pop culture and also just of us you know We love you, Emma, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> she's 12 hours ahead, so she's going to be listening to this like next week. Gibson, thanks for joining me. You can follow Gibson on everything at Gibsonoma, Gabbing with Gib podcast. Amazing. He's the best. And hopefully we'll best. have you back soon. You're the best. Call, call me, beat me whenever you need me. I'll, <laughs> I'll do this whenever. Love you. Love you. Love you.